guests who are just joining us this is your host vance here that's right we are back every wednesday at 9 p.m um just a little secret at the back of the stage while you know we are going live i was eating this uh some tibavali goodies you know just to add in some calories okay on a serious note um today we're having a, a great speaker um i gotta say it's a, such a motivational and inspirational speaker um he's going to come in anytime from now um, but today's topic is all about Challenge Your Summit. And um, it is a great pleasure of mine and Kopi Revenge to invite him uh, to come on board and give his uh, experiences that, you know, that he went through over the years. So without any further ado, let me invite Sir Ravi. Hello, how are you, sir? Hi. Hi, how are you? Good, very good. Thank you. Um, thank you for you know joining in. I know you had a very busy training schedule uh, for today. I know you just rushed back and quickly had your dinner, and now you are with us at Copy Events. Thank you, sir. Thank you so much for joining us. Honor uh, to be invited uh, to join you. Okay. Thank you, Ravi. Um, Ravi, I mean, um, before we even get started, um, I know you are a popular figure in Malaysia. Um, for the Singapore guests, probably you want to do a quick introduction. And then we can uh, dive into today's topic. Uh, hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Ravi. Uh, full name is Ravi Chandran uh, Tarumalingam. Uh, people call me Ravi Everest. Uh, my page is Ravi Chandran Everest, where I um, climb mountains for the past uh, 22 years. Uh, done uh, uh, eight peaks above uh, 8,000 meters, including uh, three times on Everest. Uh, once on uh, on K2 uh, recently, and um, few uh, other 8,000, including Manaslu, Choyu, Shishapama, and so on. And I've done uh, most of the seven summit except for Vincent Massif and Kasten, uh, which are two very expensive seven summit. Uh, and uh, then I'm also a guide uh, for all uh, some of the seven summit. 
and uh, of course uh, most of the Himalaya mountains uh, up to um, 7,000 meter. And this year I had the honor to uh, to guide people to guess uh, to the summit of Mount Everest. Yeah? So uh, that's me, uh, that's what I do. Um, and uh, for the past five to six years, I've been uh, also spending a lot of time inspiring people all around the world. So uh, that has been my latest uh, passion, um, sharing, touching uh, people in many ways, uh, inspiring them, bringing them from one level to another level. That's what uh, me and uh, that's what I do. And uh, it's an honor to be here. Thank you, Ravi, sir. Uh, great introduction of yourself. Um, I mean, today's topic, of course, we are going to talk a lot of stuff about Everest because uh, Everest and you have some kind of a relationship. <laughs> so we're going to find out what is the real relationship. I know um, even in Malaysia, you have uh, spoken in a lot of places and even Raga, you know, I heard your interviews. It's very inspirational. So thank you so much for giving this uh, interview uh, and podcast as well so that more people can know about this sport for love, you know, like hobby. We're going to find out from you, you know, what is all about this. Um, but I'm going to start up with your passion, right? Um, in the first place, how you got the love for climbing? Well, it was, um, being a sportman, uh, our life is, uh, um, uh, what do you call, um, yeah, involved with uh, sports and challenge. Uh, it's about being uh, competitive. Uh, so uh, I used to be running um, for schools, state level, and then uh, also hockey player. But my most, uh, um, uh, I'm very passionate about football, soccer. And uh, being in sport uh, gives you uh, the some of the characters of uh, facing challenges. Every day is about taking challenges. But then when you come across uh, 30, 30 plus, you'll see that there is a slowdown in uh, opportunity for you to compete, especially with the younger generation being very uh, you know, um, active, very aggressive and, and so on. So you tend, uh, people try to um, exclude you in, in most of the competitive uh, activities. Then you'll find that uh, life becomes very boring and, and so on. So then after that, you start looking for new challenges. And that's where when I went for my first visit, uh, uh, even though I've been uh, close to nature uh, from small, because uh, my background, the place I stay is all beside a jungle and so on. Uh, and also close to uh, nature in terms of uh, hiking, climbing and so on. But I never thought that I'm going to seriously go into mountaineering. All right? Now, um, but at age 35, I was looking for something new, something that gives me lots of satisfaction. So, so that's when my first visit to the Himalayas. And I fall in love um, with the way the people, um, you know, uh, hike, climb, their passion in talking about these uh, mountains and so on. So I really fall in love with that. So I never stop uh, going there. And every time I go there, bit by bit, uh, I get into uh, uh, the same uh, characters. I use the same characters to take up more bigger challenges. Bit by bit, uh, from 35, uh, you know, you start building your, your interests, your knowledge, your technical skill and go very seriously into uh, uh, climbing. Yeah? So that's how the thing started. So it was uh, due to change of uh, passion uh, yep. with the same characters from childhood days of uh, taking challenges in life. 
I move from one sport to another sport, from a group uh, sport into an individual sport. So um, that's where I started my climbing, solo climber, climbing Everest, uh, solo and so on. That, that's how the whole thing started. Yeah. So it, it all started with a probably a kind of a hobby, you know, when you are young and then suddenly you notice that, you know, you tend to be more with nature because we saw some of your amazing pictures uh, while you brought your clients and groups when you are climbing, you know, it's very inspirational and also see such lovely mountains which you can't get, you know, cities or even if you sometimes go some trekking, you can't see. But those pictures you shared was tremendously beautiful. Thank you, Ravi, for that. Um, and, yeah. I mean, just to add on, uh, yes. after you've been there many times, you still find it very interesting. That That's what mountain is all about. It, it changes every now and then. So the passion will never stop. Uh, so that's the reason why we have up to 85 years old summit right. Everest, right? Go ahead. And, um, you know, along with that, any sport that you do, even even uh, I mean, as a fitness instructor for the past 22 years, you know, even in the gym, also so many accidents happens. Um, we do know, uh, we're going to talk about the death zone and kind of stuff. I mean, viewers probably will be figuring out what is death zone. Uh, but just to give a quick information to all our viewers, in the dead zone and higher, no human body can acclimatize. Uh, the body uses and store oxygen faster so that it can be replenished. But at that point of time, which is about 26,000 feet, um, everything starts to collapse and your thinking, your cognitive, everything just get a bit looser. But along that line, uh, of course, we're going to ask Ravi for all of that. Um, what was your most dangerous mountain, Ravi, and why? Well, I... I... When first Everest was uh, really in year 2006, that was uh, uh, on the north side, uh, which is Tibet. Um, and at that time, the, the Chinese government who uh, uh, was controlling uh, Tibet at that uh, time, they are not providing much facility compared to the Nepal government on the south face of Everest. So we had a very difficult and uh, mountain and also the climbing expedition was quite tough. Um, so I thought that was the uh, a big challenge for me. But then um, going through that mountain, uh, I realized that there's so many dangers uh, attached to this mountain. Every step, uh, it is dangerous. So then um, uh, we had few setbacks on the first year itself. I had few setbacks. Um, I lost uh, eight fingers on uh, Everest on the North Face, uh, losing friend. I have to leave them behind. Um, we solo climbers, we always gather together and we share the permit. And then when you're sharing the permit, uh, you tend to get close. You tend to share all your resources and you start bonding because we are all solo climbers. When solo climbers, uh, not many people are interested in solo climbing because our resources are very limited. Sometimes we depend on third parties, you know, uh, being compassionate and sharing and so on. So due to that, uh, not many people, uh, most, most of the big teams, they will isolate us and so on. So we do feel a bit uh, discriminated from time to time being there and so on. So we feel very small and so on. So that's the reason why all these uh, solo climbers, sometimes they gather mm -hmm. together just to feel you know, uh, that we, we have a buddy next to us and we feel good and so on. And um, uh, leaving them behind um, on the way to the summit was one of the toughest things. Uh, I think it was much more tougher than uh, losing my fingers and so on. 
So um, I would say Everest 206 was uh, a tough uh, mountain, very dangerous and so on. But then when I went to the south side uh, in the following year, 207, I realized that uh, you know, um, it's, it's equally same challenges uh, you know, on both sides. And then, uh, of course, uh, on the north side, you have different danger. On the south side, you have the Kumbu Icefall to cross and so on. So um, I would say that uh, that part of that mountain is also quite dangerous. And um, so all these mountains, when I cross every 8,000 meter peak, I realized that uh, every mountain have their danger zone, especially above 8,000 meter where our body are all almost dying. We have lack of oxygen uh, giving us uh, very poor coordination, the ability to think, ability to you know move uh, at the normal uh, pace. You know, so every step is a very difficult step. And every time we depend on our oxygen, we're pulling in oxygen into our body, we can realize how small we are in this world eh, when we're dealing with uh, Mother Nature. And uh, it makes you a better person every time you cross this uh, dangerous mountain. So to me, uh, most of the 8,000 meter uh, uh, are dangerous. And uh, after crossing all these things, uh, including Shisha Pangma, two times on Manaslu, uh, the last one this year, I did the Everest third one and K2 next to each other in 72 days. And I realized uh, K2 is the mother of all dangerous mountain. And um, uh, because I've been there three times on Everest, I realized that uh, once you know the danger that you are associated, uh, especially with the expedition, you feel more relaxed. But then when you go across a new mountain with a new trail where you have never been, uh, it's totally a different game and you can see the danger aspect in uh, the whole journey um, and uh, I would say the most dangerous mountain that I've been to uh, is K2 um, and um, coming back alive uh, after finishing Everest with poor recovery of two weeks recovery only then going back to K2 and reaching the summit and coming back I would say that was a very tough uh, two mountains in 72 days, um, I will never forget uh, the crying, the tears that I have to uh, take in every step that I was making towards uh, K2 Summit. Yeah, so uh, I would say um, K2 is the most dangerous. Uh, it's due to um, the structure itself, the mountain itself, the weather changes, very extreme. And of course, uh, it was something new for me. Uh, new dangers like rock fall. First time I was uh, facing rock fall at a speed of 200 kilometers per hour. Uh, that was tough. And uh, I can only figure out the sound, you know. It's like, uh, you know, moving so fast, a small rock. And uh, looking at people getting injured, uh, being uh, sent back to the hospital and so on, just because of a small rock fall and so on, um, it was very difficult. And we lost uh, three life on that uh, K2. Um, looking at fresh body uh, along the trail uh, and uh, a very old body being kept there. Um, never, nobody had the uh, courtesy to bring it down. And crossing them, going to the summit, Mount K2 and coming back, that was wow. a big And um, I would say uh, K2 is still the worst, still the most dangerous. And um, if uh, you know, uh, but if you're going back there again, second round, yeah. on K2, 
they have the remote bags and I'll find that uh, it's much more easier. So any mountain, 8,000 meter that I'm going to do is going to be difficult, especially next year we are looking at Daulagiri. We're also looking at um, uh, Nanga Prabhat. Uh, so I would say these are the two more um, new peaks that I'm looking at, 8,000 meter peaks. And I expect them to be uh, also uh, equally tough, like what uh, the experience that I had on K2, right? You know, thanks Ravi for, you know, um, going through all this with us. But, you know, it, it is stated that, you know, uh, at 26,000 feet, um, the dead zone. So, um, I know you, you talked about it, but uh, how, how is it, you know, bringing your oxygen tank and in, if something fails, um, you know, so many things can go wrong. But with your trainings, um, with, with your preparations, you guys are all be ready. But what if something goes wrong? I mean, uh, are you prepared for that? I mean, uh, I know you, in one of your interviews when I heard, it was so inspiration that you keep on going that you didn't even feel anything in your hands and you just keep on going. And your focus is just to get where you need to be and nothing destruction, uh, nothing to come and disturb you or whatever. How, I mean, that's inspirational, but what, what is the other part of it? Um, putting on oxygen... Uh and limiting your oxygen intake. Yeah, we control oxygen intake because we only have one or two bottles of four liter oxygen that we carry in our bag. Sometimes we use, uh, we engage a bus also to carry and drop the oxygen bottle at level four, chem four, chem three, like that. And uh, moving with very limited uh, oxygen uh, is necessary. And uh, you can see that every step that you take, uh, you know that your body is dying you know that uh, you are slowly about to die, all right? And uh, we have uh, a time frame to reach the summit and come back down. And um, the, it's, the death zone is, uh, is not something that uh, easy to deal with. But when we are moving from uh, 7,005 uh, to 8,000 and then crossing the 8,000 path, uh, due to the, uh, your readiness, knowing that you're going to take this challenge going to that zone. The first year was very tough because first time I'm experiencing this and uh, looking at my friend, leaving them behind. Uh, he is uh, had a brain death at that moment and uh, he was like at the beach and he just removed all his jacket and he's just sitting down there. And uh, that is the extreme that it, it will uh, happen. And uh, after I finished that one year, the first year, then I come to a conclusion that it can happen to anyone, can also happen to me. Um, so um, I'm more prepared now. I always remind my family about this. Uh, it can happen at any time. Um, the same thing, people are going to leave me behind um, uh, for the mistake that uh, if, if I do any mistake up there at 8,000 meter, and um, I will be one of the other in the list of statistics of people dying up there. So we have to be well prepared for it. We have to accept the fact. That's the reason why we look for people like you uh, to prepare us uh, physically and uh, get us ready. Even though we are mentally strong, but um, at this stage of our life, at this age, at this physical condition, we still have to go through a process of preparing ourselves physically. All right, so uh, it, it's, uh, it's a thing that we prepare almost every year. Like now I'm preparing for my next year 
it's the same process. Uh, physically, we prepare. Mentally, all our previous experience will guide us, will help us uh, to perform better. But the weather, the mountain itself, they have their own uh, uh, other things to share with us when we are there. So that is a bit uh, things that we always look forward to. And of course, we minimize it with very good planning and so on. Yeah? So the dangers are there. The dead zone is always there. And uh, I am well prepared. Uh, if anything um, happened to me, I think my family, they know. Uh, they accepted the fact that I'm into mountaineering. They, expect, uh, they, they, are, I mean, they are well uh, ready uh, to face or to, you know, uh, if I fail on that mountain, I fail to come back home. Uh, I can't hear you. Sorry. So there's two parts of it, right? One is the mental part and one is the uh, physical part. So both have to be com in communication at all times. Um, yes, but also, Ravi, on, on the same um, segment that we are talking about right now, we also heard that, you know, a lot of people, there's about almost 300 old people have passed on in the Everest and especially in the 26,000 feet. And also rescue will not be able to bring them down, right? Even if you go in a group, because that will put them in danger of the other climbers. So all climbers who are climbing Everest, so mentally they are prepared, they might not come back. And with that, with a lot of preparation that like you just mentioned, that shows there's so much a humongous kind of love, uh, a kind of a passion to the mother nature that you want to reach. Not just about conquering the mountains, but just about conquering yourself. So that is truly inspirational, Ravi, as like what you uh, have talked about it. And um, when you talk about, because you are the first Malaysian to climb the K2, right? And uh, you have already climbed Everest three times. I'm sure there's a lot more coming up or you have already climbed more. But in comparison of Everest and K2, what was your experience? Well, um, uh, like I said, uh, 2006, I realized that uh, Everest was difficult, especially on the north side uh, due to the lack of services and extreme weather and uh, poor, what do you call this, um, uh, service from the government itself. Yeah? On the south side, I had a good time because we have a heli rescue every now and then. Uh, things were very comfortable. They even have bakery services up there and so on at the base camp. Yeah? So that's how uh, exciting uh, being on the south side. Uh, but uh, this year, uh, when I was on Everest, uh, everything was so uh, improved, uh, so smooth, so easy. We can uh, finish our expedition just 45 days. Uh, I was so happy. My clients were happy. We completed. Uh, we hit fast. We were the first uh, group uh, to complete, uh, the first one to submit. Uh, on 12th May, uh, and uh, it was was good. Um, but day by day, I realized it was uh, getting uh, easier, knowing the fact that you have crossed that Kumbu Icefall for many times, huh? and you are well prepared for it now. And uh, so we are more relaxed and so on. But K2 was totally different, something new. Um, so we don't have uh, the icefall to deal with. and uh, But the other danger that we have is that we're moving towards the end of the uh, spring season. We are moving towards uh, almost uh, beginning of the, uh, what we call this, monsoon. And we're expecting rain. We're expecting strong wind to come in and less snow, meaning uh, many loose rocks. Uh, 
and uh, being there and dealing with these loose rocks, we don't get this challenge on Everest. Yeah? Uh, Everest is fully uh, snow and ice, so except for the yellow band area where we have some rocks and here and there. But uh, this one fully rocks from the uh, what do you call advanced base camp until camp three, and uh, that's how it was. Uh, you know, very high risk, and um, and everybody are well preparing themselves with rock. Right, uh, we use helmet, we push ourselves, and every time someone shouts, rock, you know, that's it. And everybody will be praying that they will never be hit by that rock. And it will pass you with that sound, you know, like a fast moving drone sound. Right, right. Like that. So that's how. And, uh, uh, maybe you can't run from it, you know, you can do just hide somewhere or what? Because we are on the rope, everybody right. on the safety rope. So you can't move the best you can see. Move left or right, uh, you know, um, one feet, just jump to the left and right. That's it. Or the best is that, uh, you know, just uh, lie down with your, you know, covering your head, hoping that the helmet will protect you. That's the best uh, we do. And one small mistake, uh, you know, um, like what happened to our, one of our Sherpa will really break our bones. And um, it's, it's very uh, scary, scary, yeah. But we crossed that, and then the Camp 3 onwards is similar to uh, Everest. Um, we have the vertical section to deal with, but the best part was the crossing uh, wall, all right, after the bottleneck. That was really scary. We don't get this on Everest. Um, you're talking about 300 meters of wall waiting to drop on you, and you need to cross almost about uh, i think about almost 700 to 900 meters across with a small one feet uh, space that we have and uh, that was one of the scariest and it was uh, uh, during the uh, sunrise and uh, it was very scary and crossing that 700 to 900 meters was uh, tough yeah so after bottleneck we have this uh, cross uh, which is really really uh, never happened on Everest we don't we don't get this uh, on Everest yeah? and after that uh, going to the summit is all blue ice now it's also something that we don't get on Everest blue ice is um, very scary and uh, one small mistake and you are down uh, at least 2000 meters down and wow. uh, Across that part, yeah, and uh, the fixed rope fixing was fantastic this year. The teams did very well, and once the rope fixing is done, we are all were just moving slowly towards summit, and everybody hit the summit on twenty second July, and uh, it was a good teamwork among all the teams, and they put in so much effort to make sure that everybody reached the summit and we returned back safely except for the people who went one day earlier yes um, our friends afghanistan uh, you know he died and you know his body is still there we have to leave him there and um, once one small mistake one day before us and uh, he died up there so that that's a uh, that's what uh, can happen to any one of us our scheduling is very important our preparation is so necessary we have to make sure at all time that our uh, physical preparation and mental preparation is, uh, you know, well attended to and make sure we are, we are ready uh, to face that challenge. And K2, uh, first time uh, on K2, I can see the difference with Everest. It was like uh, three times much more tougher. 
And uh, the summit push from Camp 3 to the summit and coming back, I took almost 24 hours. So that's how uh, difficult it was. But on Everest, we usually we do between 14 to 16 hours, all right, from uh, Camp 4 back to uh, Camp 3. But this was uh, really a tough, um, uh, what do you call this, journey for me. And um, I will go back again. Uh, yes, definitely. Of course, if I have some clients who want to do K2, definitely I will be there. All right, who know it might be just your listeners, yeah, outside there, yeah. right? <laughs> and they might just want to carry a coffee with ones up there on the yeah. summit. Of K2, yeah, not? that would be a very fantastic to drink coffee at that minus. Yes. Uh, what are we looking at? Minus what? Minus 20, 30? I would say minus uh, 30, especially early morning. Uh, when we are doing after sunrise, it might drop to minus 25, minus 20. Uh, so with a jacket of uh, minus uh, 40, we feel very comfortable. Uh, some days in the afternoon after 10, 30, 11, sometimes we also sweat a lot. So we have right. our ventilation, you know, uh, zippers to help us out and so right. on. So that's how uh, the weather can change. But a small wind with uh, 10, 20 kilometers per hour wind will change the whole thing. It can drop back to minus 30 to minus 40. So, so instantly. How, yes. So that's where the wind condition plays a big role in making sure. But so on K2, I would say three times much more difficult than what I've experienced on Everest. You know, Ravi, uh, I mean, for the past uh, 20, 30 minutes we are online, one thing I've noticed that there are so much of dangers there. But you see, a lot of preparations are made um, and, and, and a lot of trainings that I've went through, you know, you have just have to rehearsal it and, you know, in your mind and, and the, 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 the kind of involved that you are with Mother Nature, I think, is huge. <laughs> you know, um, I, I do love Mother Nature as well. But, you know, what you have meant is to the extreme where not much of the population can, can just go there. But, with, of course, with proper training that we talked about, um, we also know that now it's becoming very uh, casual. Right? Everybody say, hey, I want to climb Everest without proper training or proper Sherpa or proper leaders like yourself. Um, what will happen if someone will just say, hey, you know what, I'm going to go Everest without any training uh, on Mount uh, Everest base camp. Uh, what are the dangers involved? Because I can see that this huge amount of dangers happens during the dead zone or even, you know, when you're tracking, if you're not fit, anything can go wrong, especially with your cardiovascular system. Um, what is your take on this without proper training and people climbing up? Well, um, people take risks. Yeah? Uh, the more strong-minded uh, you are, uh, you tend to be uh, what do you call this? Uh, well prepared to take challenges. So when you are taking challenges, um, someone who is not well prepared, uh, well trained. So what will happen is that their challenge will increase. Right? Others will be very relaxed because they are more prepared. But when you come uh, not prepared, you will be facing challenges uh, uh, much more extreme compared to those people who are well prepared. But if you are strong mind, you can still face it. So that's why uh, when you push someone to their limit, right, some of them will succeed. Some of them will succeed. So uh, it's a risk. Uh, so we do uh, tell uh, our climbers, our listeners, uh, you know, audiences, whenever we do briefing, whenever we do training, yes, uh, it's a risk. But a well-prepared person will enjoy the journey. Whereas the person who's not prepared, they will be suffering all the way. And this suffering, there is a limit. And uh, along the journey, say people sign up, uh, 1,000 people sign up to climb Everest, all right? There's only 300 people going to reach the summit. And what happens to the 700 people? 
700 people from camp from base camp to camp one to camp two to camp three to camp four they will be giving up along the way because they just couldn't push cross the right. line they reached the limit because of due to lack of preparation poor preparation yeah so um so if you are well prepared you will find that your limit is way high and you can take any challenges that comes towards you but if you're well if you're not prepared well then you'll find that your limit is at a base and you'll find it difficult for you to push even though you are strong mentally but there are also limitation to your physical strength right uh, cardio strength and so on so you will find that it is a tough journey you'll be suffering along the way of 60 days being at from the base camp to the summit of everest and returning back and you'll be cursing at your own self you know <laughs> for poor preparation and so on but like i said just now there are some strong people who have done it right and they will be coming back and telling people that hey i've done it i just prepared for a year and i've done it yes but did they enjoy the journey did they go through a process of you know a lot of learning a lot of suffering that part some people will hide it all right uh, that is common for people um, they always uh, uh, put in uh, bringing their ego in front and they will always uh, hide all those suffering they just put in all the good pictures in front and show you hey the journey was fantastic man i've done it that's it but uh, along the way um, in that 60 days a lot of suffering a lot of learning a lot of being humble the mountain will make you humble the mountain will make you you know back the mountain will make you cry in your own tent all these things some people don't share right yeah. the mountain make you pee shit in your suit and so on um, not many people share this but right. this are, yeah? so um, i would say uh, if you really go through the 1000 people and their story especially the 700 people the, who have given up along the way a lot of things to learn from this poor preparation you know that we there seems kind of like a addiction like what i said in the earlier of our podcast uh, you still want to go back again like as if like that is your first home where malaysia is a second home you know you you tend to spend most of your time in the mother nature with mother nature but you know what is the thing that's going on your mind when you have reached everest what what was exactly going in do you feel home do you well, feel like oh i'm back home i i think uh, every summit every summit uh, it's an inspiration every summit will take you to the next level all right so that's why all this while um about 7 years when i start talking and sharing to the people you know, worldwide i realize is that everybody must have a summit to challenge in their life it can be a small crossing the route it can be uh, you know cycling all the way from one distance to another um, uh, distance improving it from time to time and so on. it's all about taking challenge so everest is also the same for me uh, every time i reach the summit it takes me to the next level my confidence level will grow uh my uh level in uh, being humble is getting better and better i find myself uh, you know uh, being cool in many situation uh, you know i have seen worse situation on everest so i find the other situation is can becoming a very uh, you know yeah. uh, relaxing um so every summit that i achieve uh, it makes me a better person in 
takes me to my next level of uh, ability to take challenges. That's the reason why I keep going back again. And I believe most of the people having the same uh, uh, characters in their life, that is every challenge that they take, if they succeed, and it's going to bring them to the next level. And you'll find that they are beautiful people. The more summit they do, the more beautiful they are. But there are some people that I've come across who bring in their ego into it, you know, uh, show right. off, talk so loud, you know, brag about their success and so on. But that's their right, you know, not to look down upon them. Maybe that is their next level that they're hitting. So we respect them and, uh, you know, um, we just um, uh, wish them good luck and, and so on. But most generally, the people become beautiful people when they hit the summit. So I believe uh, the same uh, thing happened to you um, uh, in many, many years. Uh, right now, you are so cool about yourself. You are so confident about yourself because of all the success that you have hit. And uh, you. most of the time in my sharing, I talk about this. Right? Just go and get your small summit and it will lead you to more bigger summits. Yeah? You know, Ravi, uh, having this conversation is such a pleasure for me as well because what I have learned from you, I'm sure viewers as well, that Mother Nature teaches you when you climb her. I mean, when you when you visit her, right? Let's use the word visit her. And, and somehow or other, she's teaching you perseverance, attitude, behavior, character building, humbleness. Uh, even though we can be big, we are just tiny bit. So I think Mother Nature is the best teacher, right? I'm sure you are always connected with her whenever you go with your... I mean, when you visit Mother Nature, I always see... Your pictures and your inspirational videos and also your posts are such great, amazing. You know, um, we can learn so much with the nature itself. Um, going along that way, um, also we want to understand a little bit more on your inspirational and motivation because I can see that um, out of 10, there's so much of danger involved. But your preparation, your training, your mental rehearsal, your physical part, everything is being taken care of. So you actually, you are prepared and even you prepare your family also. What happens if... And you are going with such a full focus. But the most difficult moment in all your expeditions, Ravi? Well, the, the first one was accepting the fact that uh, we are leaving someone alive up in the mountain. That was very uh, difficult. I couldn't accept, uh, you know, uh, say, for example, you're driving and you see someone facing an accident, uh, in an accident and they're injured. What do you do? Most of the time, we will stop and we will attend to them. And uh, we make sure at least call the ambulance, you know, get them uh, uh, the, the care that they need. Uh, but knowing that you are about to leave someone at 8,600 meters, that was very tough. The decision that you have to make, you push to the summit and coming back and leaving someone behind, uh, that was very uh, It took me a year, two years to understand uh, climbers do this. Uh, climbers have to go through this uh, process, especially when we are solo climbers. Uh, but no one is going to send a rescue team to take us. No one is going to send a team of people, Sherpas, to come and look for us. It's, it's a goodbye. Uh, most of the time, people will just tap your shoulder and just leave you behind. So that year, 2006, was a difficult year for me to accept the fact. So it was uh, one of the difficult moments until now. But when I went through the second expedition year 2007, I meet up with all the other fellow professional climbers and they make me understand that's what life is all about as a mountain. You know the risk that you are taking, you know, we can't blame anyone and 
And if we something happened to us, a small wrong decision that we make, if we have to leave there, we will be left there and um, it will take just 24 hours for us to die the following day. So that's how difficult it is. Yeah? And we have seen many stories, many cases of people uh, being uh, left behind. Yeah? Um, so these are all facts that uh, we have to be prepared. And the second one was, uh, you know, for the fact of losing fingers. When I was coming down from the summit, I could, I could not hold on to the rope. And I was falling down again and again. And first time experiencing uh, a frostbite uh, to fingers. Uh, everybody were trying to say that hey, there's nothing that we can do. Except if you go back uh, to your, you know to all those professional hospitals and so on, they can do this uh, surgery and, and you know some can rectify and so on. But in the mountains, we just accept the fact that we're going to lose our fingers. Just we just have to wait, see how much the distance that it can go can improve, and then just break the other part of the fingers, you know, remove them. Yeah? So um, doing that by yourself, removing your fingers uh, after four months back in Malaysia one of the other moments that was very difficult. The first one especially. But once you have done the first one, breaking and removing it, the seven other seven was cool. It was just <laughs> cool because you already know you already faced that first one. Yeah. The first one was very scary. So that's another um, very difficult moment uh, until now I won't forget, especially removing your first uh, finger. Yeah? And the uh, third one was uh, being buried on uh, avalanche in uh, Manaslu in year 2012, where we lost uh, almost, I think, 13 uh, at Camp 3. And I was at Camp 2, and I was buried, but I was rescued from the Sherpas from Camp 1, who rushed to come and support us uh, at 4 a.m. in the morning. And that was a very difficult moment, because uh, every time you're being compacted by the snow and ice, every time you kick, trying to uh, come out from that snow and ice, it start to compact more and more, and you start losing that oxygen in that, uh, in that uh, at that time. So um, you start, uh, you know, giving up. You start recalling moments that you're about to give up. This is the end of the day and all the stuff. So yeah, that was very scary, being in a hit by an avalanche. Uh, I will never forget that day, um, uh, year two zero one two. Manaslu, that was a very difficult year. Uh, five days of total silence after coming down, after being rescued. Um, you're only uh, very happy and thankful that you are alive, that you're able to go back to your family and so on. That's what most of the climbers do when we are being hit by this kind of sudden uh, avalanche of tragedies and so on. So I understand the situation, but the, these are these three worst moments in my life. Uh, when it's dealing, I mean, when I'm dealing with the mountaineering. And um, every time I go up to 8,000 meters, I pray. Um, I always hope that I don't come across this kind of moments again. Uh, but if it happens, yes, I'm prepared. But I never want that moment uh, again to feel so small, to feel, uh, you know, helpless, uh, you know, and going towards thinking that you are about to die. And those Sherpas who came to rescue me from Kemon, I'll never forget them. Uh, I remember their faces, people digging me out, you know, um, both, uh, rubbing my legs, my hand, uh, changing my clothes, giving me their jacket, 
giving me sleeping bag to put me in a sleeping bag, preparing hot water for me to drink. Uh, that I will never forget that that moment. Um, difficult moment, but uh, you can see the human touch. You can see those uh, people f fighting and you know helping you, keeping you alive. Um, uh, that was one of my uh, I would say difficult moment, but best moment looking at human uh, touch. Right, so um, um, that's inspiring. Those shepherds, uh, uh, Makalu shepherds, and they are fantastic shepherds. I'll never forget them. Thank so, you, Ravi, for that uh, inspiration part where you actually share with us, of course, your deepest moments and almost uh, date situations that you have uh, reached. But of course, uh, Ravi, we, I mean, we we talked about it. Your love for your passion for be with Mother Nature. <laughs> And been uh, with the Mount Everest three times. You know, the first Malaysian to reach the summit of Mount K2. Um, we are trying to not say we are trying, but want to see what is happening inside your psychology, right? You seems to be like prepared. Uh, you know, you know, there's tons of dangers are there. Rock can climb it. I mean, rock can just fall over you, or the ice can just bury you. So many things, but then you still keep on going in. And if that kind of um, very positive vibes and the way you present yourself in most of your lectures or your trainings and videos, but what really inspires you? Uh, I believe uh, is the um, is the dream. Uh, everybody uh, have a dream about uh, reaching the um, the next target in their life. I have a dream that is to complete all uh, fourteen peaks. Um, you know. Uh, being there, reaching all the summit of all the other mountains in the world. Uh, it's exciting uh, because every peak that you uh, hit and you summit uh, inspires you actually. All right, so the mountains are the one that really inspires me. And looking at the, um, the people working together, pushing their limit, uh, that's also really uh, inspiring. And when you don't go for one year, when especially on the, during this PKP COVID time, that was a very difficult moment for us because there's nothing for to look forward to. It was a very quiet moment in our life. It was very difficult. Uh, international travel were all blocked. And uh, even uh, traveling uh, to Sabah, Sarawak, it was blocked. So there was nothing for us to look forward to besides staying at home and, you know, doing online styles and so on. And... Um, uh, every mountains that after this PKP that I hit, I want to hit, I believe that uh, it will inspire me uh, for what I've done in year 2022. Uh, once government uplift the travel ban and so on, uh, right. really inspiring. We are so motivated. I believe all the climbers around the world are now so motivated in going for their next challenge. So um, these mountains are actually really inspiring. Beside that are the people that I see uh, along the trail where they are all so excited. Uh, and that this, ex this excitement that the people are showing are really inspiring everyone. So I bring people now and they also inspire me. Uh, I just came back from Island Peak, bringing a two, uh, one gentleman and a lady from Borneo to the summit of Island Peak and uh, they are all now well prepared to go for their next Everest climb. And every time I look at their face and their excitement of looking at Everest next year, 2023 Everest, it's inspiring me. 
So everyone outside there, whenever you go outside there and take a new challenge and you achieve it, it will inspire another 10 more people outside there. So um, that's what uh, this is all about. And I'm hoping the same. Uh, if I can uh, uh, achieve a peak, and I'm hoping that it will inspire another 10 more people next to me. So that's what this is all about, inspiring our own self and inspiring others uh, you know, along the, um, the same uh, dream that we are going for. So Truly, you're believing and you're inspiring and you also keep on going back. It seems like your first home is in Everest. Uh, but, you know, we also know that, you know, you're bringing now clients and preparing them. I know you also have training plans. Uh, I was looking through, uh, quite interesting um, that you you don't actually people signing up for your trips, but you also prepare them mentally and physically, you know, your training plans, so and so forth, your itinerary. I was looking at a very interesting i gotta say that because that's a lot of planning that you need to put in but uh, in the past like you even you mentioned the two uh, the couple that you bring at how's the experience or the guiding you know with, with, with so much of uh, wealth of knowledge that you have and then you're guiding them up to where they want to be well um now right now we have moved to the next level that is uh, beside climbing we're also guiding helping others to achieve their goal or their dreams and um, every time we achieve a success, it's also inspiring us and also inspiring the people. When you look at their face of reaching the summit, the glory on their face, the uh, excitement when they come back, they share with their family members and their friends and so on. You can see read in their social media. It is nice to be part of other people's dream. And uh, this year we had uh, two uh, clients on Everest. And then we had, uh, we're preparing now two more people for Everest uh, 2023. So we hope that uh, this will inspire many more people in the years to come. And we have program uh, for 2024 already. We also have a program uh, for a state, which is that's Negrishin Milan, uh, to send five people to Summit Everest in the year 2025. Now these programs are all, due to the fact that people are excite, excited about climbing Everest. And every excitement that we support and we bring them and we, they hit their dream, right? It is inspiring another 10 more people. And that's what we want. That's what we are hoping to continue. So, um, but, but believe me, uh, uh, it is the next level in our career as a mountaineer. Um, and um, right now, when we climb Everest, we are very relaxed. So we can put in another 50% into guiding. But the first one and the second one was not there because we ourselves were struggling. We ourselves facing big challenges. But now we are very relaxed because we've been there. And we are more relaxed because we have crossed this kind of difficulties before. So 50% of our effort is towards our client. So um taking them from one level to the next level each camp uh it's something new you see the changes in them you see the suffering in them you see the the uh the uh, what do you call this their failure all these things help us uh, to uh, to be better uh, guide to be better in uh, helping others to reach the summit of mount everest so i hope next year i will be better guide and i'll be able to support uh, the next batch of people 
and make sure that they reach the summit of Everest uh, very easy, very smooth and low risk. So that's what we do now. So part of the preparation is actually at home here in Malaysia, preparing them with uh, cardio training, preparing them strength training, where most of the gyms and their uh, instructors and uh, you know, gym operators are supporting us and also uh, tra trainers. Then we have the, uh, what do you call this, um, mental preparation that we take them to the big mountains, the other mountains around the world. So we have a program, the Seven Summit program. We also have programs with other peaks and so on, where we prepare. Like now, in the month of uh, February, we will be heading, uh, the team will be going to Aconcagua, which is 6-9. So these are all uh, peaks that we prepare people. In August, we also hit uh, Mount Elbrus, then we will hit uh, Kilimanjaro to prepare people dealing with different altitude and also different uh, uh, terrain, or different types of mountain. Then we also have a volcanic in Indonesia, all right, which is only 3738, but it's a good training for people. So we have various training in a year, almost uh, 12 months. We guide people, we take people to face all these challenges and to prepare them to go for Everest. So um, now we can prepare Everest in just one year even two years even three years so all depending on the schedule and now we can safely say that we can also prepare people to climb Everest in six months if someone was fully retired if they have the time six months to prepare and we can get them ready so all right. constant training with the support from of course gym uh, um, what do you call uh, physical fitness uh, trainers and uh, what do you call this uh, mental coach we are able to assist them less than six months by getting them ready and uh, back to your question earlier question saying that can they do it in that six months yes uh, with a good concentrated uh, training they are able to do it but of course we have to prepare them mentally now this is where we need to send them places they need to go to places to see the challenges all right so um, that's what we do now and we have such program um, many programs for people to join to participate and if anyone outside there you know your fans please you know um, we are more than happy to support them right thank you ravi uh for viewers who are watching this i mean if you have already started to feel you know to be connected with mother nature this is ravi's contact you can look for him at the facebook at ravi chandran everest um he has that and even for your instagram as well ravi what is your instagram um, page uh, ravi. ravi ravi everest ravi everest you can look for him there um and his contacts is here so you can actually look up or his itinerary and the plans for the next uh coming year um but ravi, you know i'm actually trying or we or the viewers is trying um you went through a, almost a date situation buried by ice um you lost your eight fingers and you're still climbing and you're still bringing people out there with a lot of preparation and every time um with the humbleness of course uh, there's a huge thing that is happening around you um in terms of motivational or in terms of inspiration where do you get all this from because if someone who have lost a finger uh probably you will never probably will never even want to think about it but it seems like you still want to go right uh, there must be a strong kind of um, energy or the kind of way you prepare yourself so where do you get your motivational and inspiration from 
Well, I, I would say the first thing is the family, uh, family background. Um, um, they are, what do you call this, uh, ever sharing positive energy, all right, uh, positive environment, uh, and uh, never talk about the fear that they face. Uh, we don't talk about those negative things uh, at home. We always uh, keep uh, the positive things and so on. And also at the workplace, uh, the same thing, uh, very positive. Now, we do have negative people will come from time to time. Now, these negative people, of course, uh, will share the negative energy. This is where we also isolate ourselves from the people who are very negative. Um, we, we will come across this every now and then. So as long as you are able to manage this, you will see that you are uh, surrounded by all those positive people. And the positive people are all inspiring people. Right? So I've been very lucky. Uh, a lovely wife, uh, Kate, and uh, they've been there uh, supporting me uh, in all my expedition. In fact, uh, my expedition, they are the one who do my packing of my equipment and so on. <laughs> So there's a family touch there and uh, two, three days before any big expedition, they know I won't be able to sleep. I'll be busy sorting out equipment and they'll be there to help me out and so on. So um, uh, the family plays a big role in inspiring us to go to uh, the next level. And uh, they've been there supporting me all the way. And uh, and also the friends part, yes, uh, very nice people. Um, very helpful when I call them for training, come, let's go for training. They are always there supporting me and so on. All right. There's also another group of people who have been inspiring me to do it. Yeah. So, um, and then the third one is the people that we help in uh, guiding and in, uh, inspiring them. Now, when they achieve their dream, uh, that's also very inspiring for us. All right. Uh, that also has been helping me in keeping my uh, inspiration level always at, uh, you know, uh, at the top and uh, taking, always thinking about the new challenge that I'm going to cross. And of course, the others have done wonderful uh, uh, achievement outside there. The other mountains around the world, they have uh, hit many beautiful uh, achievements. And that is also very inspiring. If others can do it, why not us? So that's also another uh, form of inspiration for me. And every time someone, someone have done uh, marvelous things outside there, we should appreciate uh, because it will going to inspire you, uh, not just you, but also so many others around the world uh, will be also inspired with their achievements. So that's also another group of people that has been inspiring me. And um, plus minus uh, the whole thing, a beautiful package, and that package has been inspiring me actually. So I hope to continue. I hope uh, I will maintain this uh, beautiful package of people who are inspiring me and listening to their stories, uh, you know, uh, sharing with them, moments bringing them, guiding them to the peaks. can be small peak, Gassim Hill, or big peak like Kinabalu, or Everest Base Camp, Island Peak, and so on. But every time I look at their face, it's an inspiration for me. When you drag them to the summit, of course, they will be cursing you. They will be shouting at you. They will be talking, you know, oh, you push me, you do this. and But when you look at their face on the summit, it's totally different. All right. And uh, I believe some of them will cry, hug, you know, share their, uh, uh, what do you call, appreciation. Some don't, some will hide. But 
they are inspiration. Every small success that we achieve in our challenge or dream, uh, challenge or summit, it's actually inspiring me. So if I can touch people with my program, challenge or summit, every now and then, speech, taking people to the mountains and so on, that is a big inspiration for me. And they are the one who actually inspiring me. These are my family. So I hope um, people outside there come and join my programs. Uh, be inspired. Let me allow me to inspire you to reach your summit. But at the same time, you are playing a big role in my dreams of finishing my fourteen uh, peaks of all eight thousand meter in the world. Yeah, I'm sure all of the viewers right now in Singapore who are watching this, uh, you can actually listen to the uh, podcasts and uh, uh, Spotify as well. Um, if you do get interest, you know you know how to get in contact with Ravi or people who are listening from our neighbors. Uh, from Malaysia as well. Um, of course, Ravi has climbed. Uh, he never used the word conquered. I don't know why. Such a humble guy. Uh, he has climbed the Everest three times and the first Malaysian to summit Mount K2. We are talking about all his, about his experiences, inspirations, and how he's, you know, he just literally is doing it. You know, it just feel like connected with the mother nature. Um, we are actually coming to the last part of the segment. Uh, but before that, we have one more to ask Ravi. Uh, what is your advice to our youth? Um, what they can learn from climbing the mountains? Well, the mountains are a place where not just uh, sometimes uh, setbacks happen, uh, bad things happen, bad experiences happen. But it's also a place where Mother Nature will uh, keep inspiring people. Uh, so the mountains, big, small, uh, dangerous, easy, uh, it is all about a journey, someone taking up the journey. And every journey will develop us physically, mentally, also um, uh, emotionally will make us very... Uh, humble people, very nice people, become very kind and so on. So it's a place where it develops human. All right. So um, that's why I always tell the youth, uh, you need to go there. You need to feel what I felt. All right. Uh, once you go there, you'll see, just take a small challenge, just a small mountain next to your place. All right. And you can see that it will develop you into someone beautiful and a better person and where others especially your family will enjoy you enjoy the new person that you are becoming so that's what development is all about uh, from the mountains helping us to become better person and that is beautiful and every youth outside there if you have the chance go and hike go and climb achieve something great in your life because every greatness that you achieve is going to inspire you to become a very much more greater person. And uh, that's what uh, this is all about. So youth outside there, don't waste your time. I know there's so many things outside there. Just reserve, just reserve some time, hit the mountains and take up these kind of challenges and you will find yourself um, to be very uh, interesting and the family will also enjoy your company your friends also will enjoy your company and everybody will be i tell you um, i mean in a very beautiful uh, uh, humble uh, character and that will actually um, uh, will be exciting 
and I've seen bad characters also uh, in the mountains, but very minimal. But I've seen very beautiful people with good characters up in the mountains. And I hope our youth will never stop, will continue with their, um, uh, you know, taking this, uh, uh, challenging their summit and start uh, hitting the mountains. And for Singaporeans and also um, uh, Malaysians uh, in Johor, I'm coming to uh, Lamba soon, uh, Gunung Lamba. And if you have the chance to join me, it's on Saturday. It will be an honor to meet you all there. Have a small uh, climb, hike to Gunung Lamba, which is about two hours uh, up and down. And then we can just go for tea, coffee. You know, uh, It will be very exciting to meet you all, to meet the fans in Singapore, to be able to inspire our youth. Uh, it's just, uh, I think it's about one and a half drive, uh, one hour, 15 minutes drive from the uh, border. All right. See you all there in uh, Lamba. It'll be exciting uh, in three weeks' time. Um, contact me if you are keen to join us. And there will be some Singaporeans coming because they are preparing to join me for my Kinabalu, which is on from 24th to 27th of February. So part of their training is we will be doing in Lamba. And we will get them ready to climb Mount Kinabalu with me in the month of February. So it's an uh, exciting uh, full season next year. And everything starts from Mount Kinabalu. All right. So um, join me at Gunung Lamba. Once I check your volume. Yeah, sorry. It was great uh, inspiration um, that you have um, given today, personal experience. And um, we have learned a lot of stuff from you, you know, from entering into the dead zone. Uh, leaving people behind and seeing people and the way you prepare and also can see from your character how humble you are especially when you keep on climbing and you know it teaches you something and uh it's such a great honor to be with you at kopi with vance uh is that a coffee you're drinking <laughs> no <laughs> no <laughs> then coffee. uh then, then we need to meet up soon for coffee you know kopi yeah sure, <laughs> Uh, thank you, Ravi. Uh, before, um, I know you have already talked and given your advice to the youth, but any last words for people to, you know, take back? Well, um, challenge your summit. Um, set your summit. It can be anything that you are looking forward to in your life. Set the, summit, uh, set the challenge. Go for the challenge and uh, try to hit the summit because um, it is at your own pace. You don't have to worry about others. Others can go fast, others can leave you behind, but as long as you reach the, the end line, you hit your summit. So it's about your own pace, setting your own goal, and you're reaching your own goal. So it's nothing to do with others. So um, go for it. Um, I hope to see more people inspired uh, by this uh, concept of um, Challenge Your Summit. And uh, all the best. If ever there's a need of uh, some inspiration word from time to time, please uh, look out for me at Ravi Chandran Everest uh, Facebook page or Instagram Ravi Everest. I'll do my best to share. All right. Thank you, Ravi. Definitely, we will get in touch and probably a real coffee, a kopi, yeah. uh, back in uh, Malaysia, which I love to come. Um, thank you, sir. Thank you so much, and a pleasant evening. We'll catch you soon. Thank right. you, sir.
All right, so that's Ravi Chandran Everest. Uh, such an inspirational. I mean, I'm not sure about our viewers. Um, you, I'm sure you have learned something, and I learned something. Uh, it's about building your character. Um, today's topic is all about challenges. I mean, um, Everest is not an easy thing. It's like you know, walking in the park, uh, which involves a lot of training. And Ravi has said, you know, some takes one year, some take two years. Uh, some are now even he's preparing people for six months with lots of preparations, not just physically, but mentally, emotionally, you know, all this combination comes in. And I was looking at his uh, itinerary plan and um, very interesting to see, you know, how much of safety effects, uh, safety aspects he puts in and also the planning for his trip. And he's constantly, you know, climbing mountains to inspire him, not himself, but a lot of people. Uh, he regularly gives talks. Um, so if you look it up uh, in Facebook, uh, Ravi Tundran Everest, and uh, you can also look him up at uh, Instagram page where you'll see lots of inspirational postings, um, especially what he does when he go for these climbs. Uh, he's sharing his true moments. Um, very in interesting, um, which I think um, we all know uh, climbing Everest is not an easy thing. A lot of things can happen, especially if you are in the um, twenty-six thousand feet, where you can your where your oxygen pressure level just is not sustained sufficient to sustain any life, and that's why uh, Ravi himself, like you know, said you know they carry oxygen tanks to go up, and there's so much things to learn about, even though there's so much of danger, but a lot of preparations and a lot of anticipations are there. Um, that actually builds your own character, you know, you you break your own limits to explore where you can go, where you can move, not just living within the shells. Uh, but of course, having said that doesn't mean that, you know, you start climbing within the next one month or two months. But with, of course, with full preparation, um, Ravi will be the best person to look up for if you have uh, any questions pertaining to climbing the mountains. This is Vance from Kopi Fit Vance. I'll catch you soon. Next Wednesday, 9 p.m. Till then, adios, amigos.